Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Two Story Building. I hope you catch the pun in that title. My name is David Montgomery, and in each episode of this show, I'm going to sit down with somebody who I love in some capacity, actors, writers, comedians, musicians, interesting people, and I'm going to sit down with them and we are going to build off of each other's stories. We're going to have an open-ended conversation and I might have a funny conversation with them and we might go deep sometimes and we might get heavy. I don't know. Maybe my goal will be to make somebody cry. Who knows? I had a turning point a few years ago in comedy when I started my work with a show called The Moth. I only really ever wanted to get up on stage and make people laugh. And when I got into storytelling, all I wanted to do was really take my horrible life, my terrible past experiences, and do some self-deprecating humor and make people laugh about it. And it was sort of therapeutic for me, in a sense, But when I started really working more closely with the moth, I realized the power that storytelling has. And being afraid of deeper emotions on stage was something that was very true for me at the time. And the first time that I really dived into it, I got such a big response from people that changed the way that I feel about it. I used to be afraid of the silence on stage because it meant that as a comedian, I wasn't doing my job if people weren't laughing. And that was always ringing true across the board for me. So when I started telling any emotional truth in a story and people were quiet, I'm immediately thinking on that same old platform, oh no, they're not into this. I didn't realize that with a storytelling audience, the silence means that they are on board with you 100%. And storytelling has become such a major part of my life, and I'm so thankful that I discovered it. Or should I even go so corny as to say, when storytelling discovered me? (laughs) But at any rate, on this show, I'm going to be talking to some really fun people. And my first guest is an actor and writer and comedian and improviser who I've looked up to for so very long. He's been in a zillion movies. I think the first thing I ever saw him in was waiting for Guffman. And you can go back and watch that before this or after this, whatever, but you get to hear some of his fun stories on set and a little behind the scenes. And I think you're going to really enjoy it because I I paid for the whole seat, but I only used the edge of it. Um, that being said, please enjoy the first episode. Don't forget to like the show, subscribe to the show, share the show with your friends, tell people that they need to be listening to it. And then, I don't know, tell them to send me their money. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy. don't know how to introduce somebody like who we've got today because i mean you could go on imdb and sit there all day long uh comedian actor writer producer everything michael hitchcock welcome to the show thank you for having me i am so i thank you so much for (laughs) for coming out this is this will be airing in january but this is like 
in the middle of the nightmare fire situation where all of Los Angeles is burning to the ground. So everybody's kind of on edge uh, right now, but I'm, I'm so glad that you made the time to come on over. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it's a bit scary. Yeah. Got up and donated a hundred bucks to the firefighters yeah. today just because, oof, they're going through so much. Yeah. And of course the president is so helpful with all of this. It really has been extremely helpful. <laughs> like, is this real life? It's so supportive. And, <laughs> is this, yeah. he's, I love, he's like, oh, it's horribly mismanaged. I'm like, do you remember when you were cutting the funding beforehand? Right. Makes it hard to manage. Right. I don't know if you, a, a businessman like yourself might not be aware how these things work. Yeah. God, it's, it's uh, unreal. But uh, Just, uh, never ceases to be the most supportive president we've ever had. <laughs> I, I keep on asking myself every day, like, you know, you hear the NPR headlines at the top of the hour and everyone starts with President Trump, blah, blah, blah. And I always just have that moment where I'm like, there's a president right now. How is this? It's, it's a strange time for everyone, I think. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I wake up at six in the morning. I can't sleep anymore. I watch Morning Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I've already I've DVR'd it, so I you know it's it would be coming on at three a.m. here in LA, which is kind of nice. So if you have whatever some sort of sleeping problem, you can always watch Morning Joe. So I I catch a little bit of Morning Joe, and then I watch all three network uh, morning shows. Okay. I I do that like the first twenty minutes of each to see how okay. they are doing today's stories it's it kind of fascinates me um like meaning they're different takes yeah like okay. you know like the today show or good morning america or cbs and i have to say cbs you're winning my heart i really yeah. like gail king <laughs> <laughs> who knew that oprah's best friend and i would have a weird relationship she doesn't even know about <laughs> but she's very funny and i really like her I didn't wait. I did not realize that that was the same Gail. It's Gail. It's Gail. Really? Oprah's best friend Gail is one of the anchors on CBS Morning <laughs> News, and she's great. Because every once in a while, she gives a little comment about things. And I was thinking, <laughs> we're on the same page, Gail. I still love when she she did an episode of 30 Rock ages ago. And uh, and she's they're, they're doing this gala thing, and she's talking. She's giving Liz this yeah. advice. And she goes, my best friend... Uh, she told me after reading something in my best friend's magazine about me, she made a comment about my bangs. And she goes, oh, we're talking about Oprah, right? And she goes, no, she can hear us. <laughs> She's really funny. And she always says almost every day, like, I talk to people in the subway. Or I talk to people on the street. I thought, wow, if you live in New York City, you can, like, go up to Gail and tell her what you think. Yeah, that's great. So I highly recommend it if you live in New York City. Apparently, she's very open to it. I've, that's, I, I never, actually, funny enough, the only time, my first time in New York, a zillion years ago, I had just moved to Philly, like, right after college, mm -hmm. and uh, a friend of mine wanted to take the Chinatown bus up to New York, and I had never been, so I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't realize people were going to be, like, going to the bathroom on you on the Chinatown oh, bus. Oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I get there, and I had just this miserable, the move across the stakes, I'm from Pittsburgh, it was atrocious, we land yeah. there, and there's a massive snag, the place isn't ready, I can move in the next morning, so I have to scramble to find a place to stay. Next morning I get there, there's cockroaches everywhere. Mm. I'm like, everything is the worst. Yeah. They don't and talk then... about that in Sex in the City. <laughs> God, it all smells like poo all the time. Right? Poo so and like, urine. We get in New York, and my friend is like one of those Chinatown shoppers. Like, <laughs> just like label whore or whatever thing. She's such a nightmare. So she does this whole thing. We've got like garbage bags filled with the stuff. Mm. We're about to miss the last bus, and we don't know where we're supposed to catch it. 
So uh, so we're just wandering around like little Italy and she stops in a store and I was like, I'm I'm going to kill you. You're paying for the hotel because we're we don't have time to stop and buy some tchotchke garbage. You know? <laughs> and right there, as I'm standing outside, miserable, this lady and three gay guys comes walking out of the place and I somehow like knew from behind. I just like my hand goes out without me controlling it and taps this lady on the shoulder and she turns around and goes, what? What's up? And I'm like. I'm so sorry. You're just trying to have a night out with your friends and I'm stopping you. And she goes, oh, honey, no, it's that. Okay, let's start over. I'm Parker Posey. It's nice to meet you. Okay, good. And like I had just watched Party Girl the night before. Like I love that woman so much. And you guys were famously married. We were famously married (laughs) in Best in Show and hung out for many weeks together. And um, I love her to death. Yeah. Yeah. She's... Just everything you think she would be. <laughs> In all the best ways. Yeah. Oh, Including exactly. like, how are you today, Parker? And she would be like, I'm great. And I, I my apartment has ghosts. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she'll tell you about that for a while. Then we move on to something else. And I, I, I love her. I just love her. So, yeah. That's going to be such a blast. Like all the the core cast on, the, uh, on all the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah. Just... I, it's like, it's who's who of, I mean, in my book of who is the greatest, you know, improvisers and comedians. Well, the nice thing too, age. when we did like way back in the day when we did Waiting for Government, you know, I was going to meet Catherine O'Hara for the first time and I'd met Eugene uh, briefly, but I thought, oh, if Catherine is awful, I'm going to really be depressed. And, yeah. <laughs> and she was so cool. I thought, good, because uh, I love her so much. Yeah. And Parker, one time we... This is a story I can tell. I don't think she would mind. Uh, we were on a plane together because Benson Show was shot in Vancouver. So okay. we were flying there and it got super, super bumpy. And she was calm as a cucumber. And um, and I just turned to her and said, how, how do you do this? And she went, I just don't think about it. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. New York actress. She just, you know, she has this whole thing. And then and the bumps continued, and then she just finally, maybe after a minute after she said that, she goes, "I'm on Vicodin." <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Do you want one?" And I went, "Yes." <laughs> and so she gave me one of her Vicodin, and it went from being panicked to like, "Oh, this is an adventure. If the plane goes down, it'll it'll we'll just have fun. You know, it's it's no no big deal." And she was on Vicodin because she had a uh, uh, sore. Uh, her, she had some surgery in her mouth, so it wasn't okay. like she was just taking. Vicodin. Yeah, yeah. She had a reason for it. I had no reason to be taking her Vicodin, <laughs> but she was kind enough to share one, and it made that plane flight like night and day. So yeah. <laughs> See, I never, I never, I, I'll, I'll drink wine on a plane, mm-hmm. so, but I, I don't. I'm not a nervous flyer at all. Yeah. But the one place, man, every time I pass through Denver. Kaboom. I, like, I make good with God every single yeah, time. Yeah, that's crazy. The, the most recent one, it was so choppy that I'm like, once we landed, I wanted the guy to just be like, ladies and gentlemen, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, just acknowledge, that was awful. And but we they, yeah, sometimes they don't say anything. I'd rather them at least say it's going to be bumpy. And yeah. then that's like, okay, we're going to be okay. Yeah, I kind of go through those phases, too, where I was fine flying, and then I got really scared and ended up 
getting a prescription for it. And then, okay. and then I got over it again. And honestly, it was after my mom died. It was sort of like, oh, line goes down. I'll see my mom somewhere in the afterlife. So who cares? So I mean, it's so strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's, that's sort of how it works. <laughs> and now I really don't mind it if we get a few bumps. So. If it works, it works. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very strange how all that goes. And then, and I also sat next to a pilot once who was kind of explained that. You know, planes don't go down because of turbulence. That you could you could die if you don't have your seatbelt on. You hit your head on the yeah. ceiling. But yeah. but I thought, well, that's fair enough. I'll just keep my seatbelt on. So yeah, so it was that was all good. I just did a um a show on Martha's Vineyard like a year ago or something like that, and I I had never been on one of those little planes before, uh-huh. and I oof, I bad. It was so funny. Like I I they wouldn't do the uh, the ticket ahead of time. And I was worried I wasn't going to have a seat once I get there. I was like, I need the ticket on my phone or print it out. And I get there and it's that tiny little kiosk and they ask you how much you weigh and they weigh Ooh. all your luggage. Oh, I know. And they can seat you on either side to, exactly. to balance it out. And I, I didn't know Ooh, that. It's, yeah, it's weird. So there's like seven of us walking toward the plane and there's like, it's all these like rich white people and me, <laughs> poor as hell. So she's standing there, this woman and her like nine or 10 year old daughter and she goes, Mama, do you think they'll let me uh, fly co-pilot? And I was like, oh, you rich people think you <laughs> can just do whatever you want, right? And then uh, we get there, and the guy's like, okay, uh, you're going to sit on the right, seat six, you're going to sit there. And he goes, hey, young lady, you want to be my co-pilot? And I'm like, what the hell? Then I get on, and I was like, oh, I guess that's a thing that I didn't know. <laughs> right. Maybe because she doesn't weigh enough, but who knows? Yeah. But it oh. was, it's kind of scary how, like, it is. It's I weird. mean, being four feet away from all those controls. I'm like, what if someone's crazy and just decides to yeah. touch all the buttons? What if she has, she has ADHD and she decides it's her, you know, it's her toy. <laughs> exactly. Not good. But then again, I mean, that's one thing about those little planes where you have to balance everything out. But then when you're on a jumbo jet and you go, how the hell does that get up in the air? Yeah. And then that's when I kind of freak out a little bit. Like, yeah. This thing is going to go up in the air, but yeah. it does. So. It's crazy. It's like it's such a thing that we took for granted. And like every time I'm right on, on Sepulveda, right going in toward LAX, uh-huh. man, if, if you time in, there's one coming right over. It's like, this is, how is this where we are in society? I know. That, that thing weighs a trillion tons and it's yeah. just, it's fine. Everything's, it's, everything's fine. fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> I thought that on the way over here when I was underneath an underpass and there was a a stoplight. I thought, oh, if there's an earthquake this second, I'm done. <laughs> I thought, like, please don't let there be an earthquake. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I try not, but every now and then, like, my mind just kind of goes I there. I know, sometimes. you go there. Yeah. Like, I was in an earthquake <laughs> when uh, the Northridge one and... So, oh, I don't... I mean, I know that we're not going to die uh, with one of them if you're in a apartment or whatever but yeah the underpass thing could happen yeah <laughs> so that's when we're like oh okay i hope this isn't the way i go today yeah there was uh, that one in like is it alabama or georgia or something that like a freeway collapsed i think it was yeah. atlanta maybe. but we've had them here too we had part of the 10 collapsed and oh my god yeah it's happened and then obviously oakland where the double decker collapsed that oh, was okay. horrible but like, yeah, I'm originally from Pittsburgh where I don't think about, no, you ways, don't think about any of know? that stuff. And, and then, then you get here and that's, you're on it right. all day, every day. Just like if you live, you know, in the Oklahoma, you're going to think about tornadoes all the time mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. And uh, I was always fascinated with tornadoes because my, my grandmother was in one when she was a young, you know, uh, she was probably in her twenties. Okay. So she was in Ohio <laughs> in a farm and she was cooking Tornado hit her house. She got flipped on top of her stove 
and it burned her. You know, she lived, but it, it burned her. And then meanwhile, my uncle, who at the time was a baby, got flipped. He was sleeping on a couch. He got flipped into a cornfield, and the couch landed on top of him, and that's what saved like protecting him. Protecting it. Oh, my God. So it was, we had like a weird family history of like a big tornado happening. <laughs> and then, you know, growing up with the Wizard of Oz and everything else, it's just like, oh, wow, this is crazy. So whenever they show tornadoes on TV, I, I am glued watching every moment of them. I'm too. I'm That stuff terrifies yeah, me, me too. so much. Like when I was a kid, it was just whatever was the most, uh, the unexplained phenomena mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever it was, once that was introduced to me, that was my biggest fear until the next one came along. <laughs> like for, uh, there was some some ghost TV movie when I was really, really small that just from then on, I was like, oh, my house is definitely haunted. Um, these ghosts are going to kill me in my sleep. And that's the end of that. This is how I'm going to die. Wow. And it like, it was just until I learned, you know, like about tornadoes or about earthquakes or, oh, car accidents happen. <laughs> you know? Well, I grew up when, I mean, I saw The Exorcist when it first came out and I was a kid and we got, we snuck in like, the, we, you got to be accompanied by a parent they didn't mm-hmm. stay. It terrified me. I mean, it terrified me. And I'm thinking even today it, it holds up pretty well besides, despite the 70s costumes. Yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> like, Wow. And, I mean, back then, I mean, there were sermons about, you know, possession. And, I mean, it just, it was crazy time with everyone talking about The Exorcist. Yeah. You forget, like, how far we've come with horror films. But that one, for sure. And that was also the era where, like, churches would play, they would they'd set up, literally set up a turntable and play Jesus Christ Superstar. And then everyone would talk about it. <laughs> And like, that, like and that, yeah, blasphemous. Yeah, or or that it, maybe it was a good thing, and then people would have a discussion, and then you know, Godspell was sort of like, you know, Godspell's um, has trouble because they never showed Jesus's resurrection. It ends without him being resurrected, and so okay. that was a problem. And you think back now, like Godspell's like the most, you know, just like milk toast musical of all. But back then, like blasphemy, he wasn't resurrected. So yeah, it's it's it was fascinating all those firsts did you do any like musical theater or anything in in high school i was jesus and godspell so and we had standing ovations every night nice but then i went back to see another high school production and like you always get a standing ovation but at the time you think like wow we were the only ones ever where did you grow up i well i grew up originally in ohio and then by that time i was in the chicago suburbs oh okay so yeah um but yeah it was uh it was even to this day, if I'm having a really, really bad time, you know, I think back, well, back in the day, you were Jesus. It could happen again. <laughs> Who knows? Your you greatest know. role. I know. Sometimes a good standing O gets you through a lot of hard times. I had one once, so that was it. That was it. <laughs> it helps. Believe me. And I don't care if my parents started it. I, I don't need to know that part. Oh, man. Yeah. Oof. They, um, so do, did you... I don't know how much of like because you you were a Groundlings person, right? yes. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah, I was. So who who was in your class? Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, I was there. I was on the main stage for five years, so you, it depends what time. But everybody from Will Ferrell to Lisa Kudrow to Jennifer Coolidge to Anna Gasteyer, um, everybody. But then I performed since then with. You know, Melissa McCarthy and even like um, Paul Rubens, who's Pee Wee Herman. Oh, yeah. We've done shows together. So uh, 
depending um, where we are, like the alumni from way back when will yeah. show up, and there'll be current ones at the same time. So it's it's kind of fun. I went to the they did an alumni show uh, with Lisa Kudrow pretty recently. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. And I. Uh, Everybody, it's so funny. Like with a lot of the Groundlings people, a lot of character actors that yeah. you know, I like. I don't know that name. And I get to them, I love him. He oh, was in right, right. Yeah. But uh, I was really bummed because I wanted to see Lynn Stewart, and she she so ended great. up like she was sick that day. Lynn Stewart, for those of you who don't know, she was uh, Miss Avon, the most beautiful lady in public land on Pee Wee, <laughs> and she is. I don't know how old she is, but she is like everybody's big sister. Yeah. She is so nice. I. I she's just the coolest person ever. Yeah. I just love her. She's and, so cute. Yeah. She, she, it was funny. One day I was, um, I can't remember who it was. I commented on a friend's thing on Facebook. And then I see somebody liked that comment. And I was like, who the hell is this? And I click on it. And she responds said, oh, you are so sweet. Aww. And I was like, wait. And then I got a friend request. I was like, is this like Scott Ackerman's fake mom on television. Is this the prettiest lady in puppet land? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and she's like, Oh, stop it. I'm like, Oh my God. This, oh, is, this city is so crazy. She's fantastic. She, she right now is taking a class called like, uh, Broadway bodies. It's one of those like, you know, like kind of aerobics classes where you wear a top hat and, and <laughs> carry a cane and they do fun Broadway dances. But yeah, I see her over at the edge every once in a while, uh, which is a dance uh, studio here. And yeah, so it's it's so funny to just I, I love her so much. She doesn't have a mean bone in her body. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, she's really cool. So did you um, so was your did you concentrate specifically in? improv was that or did you just fall into that with acting well i i have i was also i'm also a writer so someone way back in the day said um improvisation is really good for writers because you have to write on your feet basically when you're improvising um and so i took classes and they were right i mean it's really really good for writing because you can't say no you have to keep going you know you can't have writer's block in the middle of an improv scene you have to just do it and um so yeah, I, I was taking classes and I, I enjoyed it and got very involved. And then as time went on, I became a, a main company member. And um, and that's where Christopher Guest saw me do some improv. And that's how I got in Waiting for Guffman. So okay. yeah, it was very strange Man. how all that works. That's so and crazy. I didn't know he was in the audience, and so which was great because I would have been scared. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I do, I do a ton at UCB and I always think because I... They're do, great. I, I love the Groundlings because it's so much more character driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm hoping to eventually start there once things slow down a little bit. But how I've always wondered the structure of like the Christopher Guest movies, mm-hmm. because a lot of the dialogue is improvised. So they just give you like a character agenda for a scene. We or? get we get an outline ahead of time. So it's maybe 30 pages for, you know, an hour and a half movie. Um, and pretty, pretty it depends on what it is, but there'll be character descriptions. And then most of the things will be like, you know, they talk about the big show or they talk about, you know, um, the mascot competition. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. And then sometimes there's a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christopher, once you're cast in one of his films, he you meet with him and talk about the characters and everything. And then what he does, which I've never seen anyone else ever do, and it's fantastic, is he'll lead you over to like the hair and makeup people and they go... Okay, how do you want to look? What do you want to oh wear? Yeah, and it's it's really cool. 
I mean, I love all that. You go to the property department, you go to every single department and work with them. And he kind of lets you do it. You know, he obviously has final say, but it's very, very creative. And so much of the, so much of it, you don't even, the audience would never even know, you know, what's happening. Like when we did Best in Show, um, our characters, Parker, Posey, and my characters were into catalog shopping. So we we basically went to all the stores that our characters liked, and we bought things. And the wardrobe to people would, would follow us around J. Crew or wherever, and we would buy our J. own Crew clothes. Guy. Yeah, we were J. Crew, and and we shopped, and we would go and like go through like the sharper image catalog and go, oh, they'd have that in their house. They'd have that in their house. And they would get it for us. Yeah. And that's so cool. And then like for hair and makeup, I told the hair people, oh, my character thinks he looks like Matthew Perry, which is crazy. But they made me look, I mean, my haircut was exactly yeah. Matthew Perry's haircut at that time, <laughs> back in the Friends days. So, um, which nobody knows except, you know, me at the time. It was just, <laughs> and everyone's doing that depending on their characters. So yeah. it's, uh, it's really, really fun. So that must have been Parker's choice to have the braces then? Well, it, that was Christopher's choice, actually. Oh, okay. that was, he said, you both have braces. What do you think about that? <laughs> we went, that sounds great. And it fit our characters because we're sort of newly rich and yeah. we're fixing ourselves and we're trying to become perfect like our dog. So, you know, we're going to do it now. And so, yeah, uh, it was a very subtle, weird thing. They never, never mentioned it. You know, it was just part of it yeah so <laughs> i love it like there's just the strangest little details that every time everything we just did we did this one we did a movie from uh netflix called mascots yeah yeah and my character i told him i'm like an ex-marine and so my haircut's very ex-marine and he said you know what you should have you should have a hole in your ear where you used to have an earring and i went <laughs> okay and so they they did it you never see it i don't think anyone sees it except him and it tickled him and um <laughs> did they do like a hollow yeah space they, they spent a little you know they didn't they did like the makeup artist every day would make it look like a, a realistic hole so oh i see I if see. anyone notices you know at home <laughs> it looks like i have a little hole in my ear and that's it would never come it would off. never no none of it does and so it's but i just i love his weird attention to detail that yeah he's never even discussed or mentioned or anything it's just fantastic so. Like when I when I first saw Waiting for Guffman, it was the same kind of thing like that, and I noticed he had on Corky. Oh, Corky, uh, yeah. <laughs> which you were the biggest fan of. Yeah, I love Corky. He had on a Judy Tenuta shirt. Yeah, and it was this thing that I was like, no one in the world is noticing this, but it is tickling me to hell. Oh, back. well, the weirdest thing about that was he, you know, because he's obviously directs some movies, so he's dressed as Corky, giving you direction. <laughs> And at times you think this is the most bizarre thing. I don't know what to do because he's then he's Christopher Guest and he's very you know he's giving you things, but he's still dressed as Corky. It's just like this is so weird. And yeah, I had many times in that film, particularly where you're just literally biting your cheeks so you don't laugh at his his things. Oh, just, sure, it's just God. yeah. I my cheeks were raw from biting them to keep from laughing during a take. So yeah. Yeah, between, God, between him and, and you guys, it's, I mean, to be in the same room as, like, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene, and then, oh, like, it's just so wild. It's wild. It, they're it's, so cool. I just just love them. I talked to um to Ed Begley Jr. once, yeah. and it was right before, I think they just wrapped uh, Mascots, and he's, he's talking about that. He goes, God, what a joy it is to get that call. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Every single time. Every time. Just the best people, you know? Oh. Uh. It's real. It's weirdly like a strange homecoming because 
you know, people live all over the country. And so to get back together again is always just such a pleasure. Yeah, it's like never guaranteed. Yeah, never. So I think we... Yeah. There, Catherine wasn't in the most recent one, I think. Yeah, they were filming Shit's Creek at the time. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I mean, I miss them dearly. That would have been fun to have. Yeah. Them. Right. Yeah. She was, she was another one that it was like I, Thirty Rock is like my comedy bible. Yeah. And so every time, like I just dreamcast certain things, and some like she shows up as Kenneth's mom, and I was like, mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? I'm just the best. It's like I couldn't ask for something better than this. It's like they're doing it only for me. Yeah. <laughs> And it's true what they say about Canadians. I mean, they're all so nice. Yeah. And she's the perfect example of that. And Eugene, too. I mean, they're just, you know. And then weirdly with Christopher, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when he's done with a film, you know, he <clears throat> screens it for people. And a lot of times he screens it for his friends. Well, his friends are like Martin Short and Steve Martin. And all those people uh, get in a room and give him notes. And so you're getting, he's getting notes from like, all these comedy icons. Yeah. And like, wow, that's a great way to get notes. Rob Reiner. I mean, you know, so very strange. Man. But very cool. That's crazy. So it's not just a focus group from, you know, someplace, you know, out in the boonies somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I Man. love that. So you're, uh, are you still filming um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? We are. Now? We're in the middle of filming. Uh, we started writing it in May. We started filming it in July, and we'll be filming it through February. Oh, wow. Okay. Or the beginning of February, not through February. And then we're also, I think I can say this, we're going to do a live uh, concert for the very last episode. Oh, nice. Uh, that, will be, uh, that will be filmed. So, yeah. Oh, how cool. Because the cast for the last two years, have, they've gone around the country and done... Um, a live show and so they're going to kind of try to capture that oh, okay and that would be the la- the very last episode would have, be a, a have they concert. picked where that's going to be uh it's tentatively going to be here in los angeles i can't name the theater because it's not set yet. gotcha gotcha but cool yeah. but oh, it I sounds pretty exciting i yeah. love that yeah it'd be fun especially if it's shot here people that live here can go watch it hopefully. yeah exactly yeah it's the one thing i like man until you live in i mean of course you know coming from ohio originally like once you move to a big city, you're like, oh, finally, I don't have to miss everything cool that's happening. <laughs> Although the only problem with living in like the Midwest for me is I will see people on the street and, you know, and go like, oh, that, that kind of looks like so-and-so. And it really is them, you know, because I don't, it still doesn't register that I live where they are actually yeah, there. Yeah. Like I was at the Paramount lot a few years ago and, and I passed by somebody, oh, that kind of looks like an actor. And it was Tom Cruise. Oh, my God. And I didn't recognize him because I wasn't thinking in that yeah. terms. You know, you just think, well, there's, you know, I don't know. I just thought, I don't know why I didn't recognize him, but I didn't. <laughs> but someone ago. else was saying that. A few years back, it was like literally my first day in Los Angeles. And I didn't know anybody. I yeah. wasn't working. I was like, I'm just going to drive around and see what I can see. And I'm in Beverly Hills. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I see this guy I went to high school with walking down Wilshire. I'm like, what are the odds of this? That's crazy. And like, I, I slow down and like the, the light's turning red. So I'm like, okay. I was like, no, it was college. No, we waited tables together while I was in college. Nope. I've never met him. It's Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. <laughs> I just think that we're friends. That's he right. has no idea who I am. <laughs> that happened to me one time. The biggest freak out I ever had was I somehow, it's a very, very long story, but I got hooked on the bold of the beautiful. <laughs> And um, you don't strike me. The only no, I never ever watched a soap opera in my life, and I was gonna maybe at one point write for soap opera, so I was watching that one to catch up, and then I got hooked on it. And 
So I was in a 7-Eleven in Hollywood, and I turned around, and there was a, a lady from The Bold and the Beautiful in there. <laughs> and I turned around, and I just went, hi! Like that. I mean, that loud. And, and then I went, ha, 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 ha. And she could not have gotten out there fast enough. And it's that, it is that thing where you think you know them. Yeah. Because you spend every day looking at them. And, and she, yeah, she thought, I have to get out of here before <laughs> this man stabs me to death. I did that once. I was, I, I, there's a weekly show at UCB that I go to like almost every Friday. Yeah. And I was filming something for, um, for Soul Pancake in like this studio in Hollywood. And I, I'm, outside of like i'm in the hair and makeup thingy after we just got done and the director's coming out in a second he wants to talk to me about whatever i wanted to thank him so this guy is waiting to film the next thing and like we just crossed paths and it's a guy from that show that i see every week and he's excited to see the director so he's like hey and i don't know the director's right behind me so i'm like hey and i'm like oh no oh god we're not friends oh no. god he's not, not talking friends. to me oh no this is <laughs> oh no he thankfully didn't notice but i did like i i saw him a couple weeks later and i had to bring it up i was yeah. like this was the most humiliating thing and i just have to put it out there and acknowledge it so that we can just forget right. about it. So, yeah, you don't think I'm a total freak. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that didn't help anything. He's like, oh, yeah, totally. This is normal now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very strange. <coughs> it's a strange town. It really right. Is. Hey guys, it's me, David Montgomery. This first episode is brought to you by me. So why not buy my debut stand-up album? It's on iTunes and Amazon right now. It debuted in January at number two on the iTunes comedy charts, and I will never shut up about it. The album is called Queen of Small Town Gossip. I recorded it in Pittsburgh in front of a sold-out audience, and it was the most fun I've ever had. I'm really proud of it, and I think that you're going to like it. So please go on iTunes or Amazon and get it today. Now back to the show. Every time I think something is totally normal here, like, you know, something strange happens. We're just, you know, Julianne Moore is getting in front of, you know, getting out of her car in front of me or something like that. Just That's the weirdest. Kind of fun. Right, I saw. I was walking down a thing, and there was a shoe store, and uh, some lady was in there shopping for shoes. And then my friend goes, "That's a Dina Menzel." I never ever would have recognized her because she didn't look like a Dina Menzel that day. She looked, just looked like a lady buying shoes. Um, so yeah, it's all strange. I don't know. And how long have you been uh, based in LA? Oh, a long time. Because I went to. I arrived here in the 80s, so okay. I went to UCLA grad school. So, okay. yeah. yeah, I've seen it change for the better and for the worse. You know what I mean? It's like, weirdly, Hollywood Boulevard still looks as crappy as it did <laughs> the day I arrived. <laughs> Except for Hollywood and Highland. They did fix that up. Yeah. And they fixed up Jimmy Kimmel across the street and uh, the Walt Disney you know, Theater over there. But yeah, everything else is just sort of like... <laughs> Like, yeah. I, how does it happen? It's, how can it, it be that long? Me. Every time I've got a friend visiting, they're like, oh, can we go see the Walk of Fame? I'm like, oh. That's the last thing you want to do. I was do. like, you know what? Can we go to CVS and get some face masks first? Because <laughs> right. it smells like pee because the homeless people go there and it never rains. Oof. So it's just. Although they're fixing up Vine Street, which is great. Like like Sunset and Vine and then down the thing is great. Yeah. So, there's So either end is cool. And then the middle is just sort of like. 
Come on. Yeah, what are they, how are they going to change this? I don't know. Like, do we need that many lingerie in electronic stores? <laughs> we don't really. Like, why are they still there? I don't yeah. understand it. But yeah. I don't know. A friend of mine, she she lives, she's in the military, and she commutes to Long Beach every single day from, like, basically Hollywood and Highland. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't understand how you do what you do like how she like she's got a parking spot in a garage but it's not guaranteed so like oh you know if a if an award show is happening you know oh she parks in the hollywood highland parking garage uh, pretty close by like okay. to, next to her building there's oh. one, it's like two streets over oh boy but it's like i'm like how do you get in and out right like, just to get to work every single day yeah, it would drive me tough. out of my mind that'd be tough yeah i don't know hollywood is it's that thing of i don't get it i don't understand why they can't fix it up yeah i'm all for turning it into times square i'm sorry i just uh, i don't care if it's full of gaps and whatever i i'm tired of so you support an m&m store <laughs> i do i'm i'm just tired of the junk i really am yeah and i'm watching the deuce on hbo so which is sort of the history of 42nd street and everything yeah. so it's i don't know it's it's fascinating to see all that so I don't yeah know. i haven't checked that out yet but i hear i hear good things it's great it's really good. I like it a lot. So, <coughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal is fantastic. You have to watch it just her. for her. I love her. Oh, God. man. I just, yeah, she's doing some amazing work. I hope she gets rewarded for it. I had this, I, I taught at this small private school back home, and she was filming uh, a movie in the building, like in the far end of it. And it's like attached to a church and whatever. So I, uh, mm. so it was, but it was in the middle of summer and I kept on like popping in to like do stuff in my classroom or whatever, drop stuff off, pick up paperwork, whatever. And I, and I come into one day and the administrator goes, guess who was literally just in your classroom? I'm like, who? It's like Maggie Gyllenhaal Ooh. wanted to check out the school. Nice. It's like she was hanging out with the preschoolers cause they go year round. Uh-huh. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, can you do me a favor next time and just tell me when that stuff happens ahead of time so I can just come rushing in. I yeah. live a block away. Just Yeah, just tell me. Anything. <laughs> Have a code on the phone. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to get married to her brother. It still hasn't <laughs> happened. It's been 15 years. Yeah, and his work is very good. You you could do, you can't do much better than that. <laughs> and I'm Check. talking from back, I was like smitten from Donnie Darko days when he oh that's that floppy cool. emo hair and whatever, yeah. man. I was in love. I was he's like he's a, a good kid. actor. She is too. I thought. I think about that a lot. I think like, what happens when they get together, like at home? Yeah. Like, do they talk about <laughs> their projects, or do they just get into arguments like normal families? <laughs> I, I don't know. Those showbiz families. I just, I just always fascinated with them. I don't know. They're all weird royalty, and <laughs> do they have normal like family problems? I I feel like because I I think about that with like the Jacksons. Like, oh God, what. What that must have been like, like poor Reby Jackson. God bless her. You know what is she? God bless Reby. Does she? Is she? I think Reby did. Um, what was her music video? That's so fantastic. Oh, please say oh. Centipede. Yeah, Centipede. Oh, it's so good. If, you, if anyone listening has not seen Centipede, I it is fantastic on so many levels. I was just talking about this not three oh, days ago oh, really? to somebody. It's the best. It is the most wonderfully terrible, amazing thing oh. in the world. Just and, and then going back to Trump, like, you know, LaToya was on Celebrity Apprentice a couple of times. Oh. And they would always have to do, and I would, and I watched Celebrity Apprentice back in the day, because, you know, the least, Trump was the, the least fun thing about it. But it was just fun to see celebrities do the most stupid 
tasks they had to do. But they would do money tasks where you have to raise a whole lot of money. And poor LaToya, like, would raise $5,000. You're like, what? You can't reach out to any of the Jacksons? Nobody's <laughs> going to give you any money, LaToya? You think, like, why? What's going on here? You guys are, like, swimming in money. But no one wanted to give her any. So I always wanted to find out why. God. Yeah. Because yeah, there'd always be some country star who, like, would win. So they, they could get millions of dollars in poor LaToya. <laughs> What's if she could scrounge up ten grand, it was right? like it was really they call Papa Joe, got somebody, somebody, anybody at all. But then you think like, well, did they borrow money a couple times and didn't pay it back? Like you know, all that family stuff that happens. Like, yeah, there must be bad blood of some sort. There was a friend of mine years ago. He was working for some like some legal agency, like a, a huge global one. I don't know what it was. I'm probably not allowed to be talking about this, but I'm not naming his name, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it's probably changed since then, anyway. But he was he would work the overnight shift and he like would just answer these emails and calls about specifics within somebody's estate or whatever and they handled all these huge accounts he had to look into beyonce's account once for her will and i and he just happened to notice like you know all the beneficiaries and whatever that she i guess she had a falling out with her dad but she she added him back into the will but gave him ten thousand dollars that's it which is like her equivalent of like when you have a bad waiter right. and you're you're like, instead of leaving nothing, I'm going to leave him a penny. Right. <laughs> so That's that like, way that they can't really contest it because they made an effort to make sure there's a dollar amount there. Yeah. Ooh. Right? I don't it, Maybe it's changed since then. This is like 10 years ago or yeah, something like people, that. People grow. People <coughs> forgive. He may be in the money again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's... I can't comment one way or the other about Beyonce's father. <laughs> Well, that's know. why I brought you here. You can't say anything? Wow. Thanks a lot. I don't know any. I, I, well, this has been a real fun time. I know. <laughs> I don't even recognize Adina Menzel. How am I going to... Come on. It's... Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and I worked with her, too. So it was even a double way. I mean, she... Oh, nice. I worked like, on Glee as, oh, a, as a writer, and she did yeah. Glee. Uh, so we, you know, didn't hang out or anything, but, you know, I at least had talked to her. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's always weird when someone you've worked with and you don't even recognize them. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah, so she cool. was. She was not looking like Adina that day. <laughs> so that's every time I have somebody visiting. That's like, let's go and see a famous person. I'm like, yeah, it's not really like like that because whenever you do, they don't look like themselves. They've got on a hat and the baseball, you know, baseball hat and sunglasses, whatever. Although, if you, I, I highly recommend going to Fred Siegel, which is a clothing store. Sometimes you'll, that's a very good place to spot a celebrity. Really? And then maybe eat lunch there. Uh, that's a good little spot to see a celebrity. I okay. highly recommend it. I've got a friend coming in in two weeks. Yeah. She's going to love this. That's, that's, it's better than, I mean, that's like 10%, but that's better than most places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or the Polo Lounge, something like that. Or if you, if you want to see one of the idiot Kardashians, just go like, to the name droppiest place in the world. And they're like, please recognize me. Please, please. Right. You know, just begging for it. One time I, I had to go to Mr. Chow. And that was really weird because Toby Maguire was there. But it was also every 70-year-old with horrible plastic surgery. And it was just <laughs> honesty. It was like a weird museum of bad plastic surgery. <laughs> so even though Toby was there, you couldn't take your eyes off of all the, all the other things. So... 
Maybe that's another place to go. I don't know. <laughs> if you like, if you enjoy bad plastic surgery, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> My gym is sort of like that too. It's sort of. I'm not going to name which one it is. Okay. I don't want to. But it is a. Uh, it, it is like a good example of what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of guys with just big puffy cheeks and the, all the filler and oh, just like oh man, and, and you just kind of want to go up to everyone and go like. Who's your dermatologist? Because I don't want to go to that. <laughs> there's so. a guy, God bless him. I go to this this dumpy gym in Silver Lake, and there's oh this guy. I, he breaks my heart because like you yeah. can tell he just he he's trying his something, best. Something he, happened, he, he and he can't give can't up stop. on it. Like the cat lady, exactly. Yeah. And this guy, his is with his hair. He's like oh. he's got some kind of plugs, and it just it's this hilarious just cartoonish like mm. poofy nightmare that's like it's all frizzed out on top and it's really thick on the sides and the bottom and like sometimes he'll wear a baseball cap and then he'll take it off for a while oh. like oh honey and its plugs oh, aren't working no. too well no mm. <laughs> these, these bodies rejecting them or something that's like stereotype la that really is a problem i mean it is people just puffing themselves up and yeah putting all sorts of stuff in them and it's there's some very bad examples of all that <laughs> but I'm sure it's not just here, but yeah, sometimes yeah, older people with money just maybe donate it to a good charitable cause and don't <laughs> stick it in your face. Yeah. I don't know. Oof, it's bad, 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 bad. That was like one time I went to Raging Waters, which is um, you know a water park out here. Which I I love water parks. I love amusement parks. I love all that stuff. But anyway, that place was like unfortunate tattoo day. It was like everyone there had like really like prison tattoos, and then. Somebody in front of me in line looked like uh, they had shingles. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing at a water park? <laughs> your, your whole back is literally covered in some horrible, like, breakout oh, pimply God. thing. And somebody else had bugs <laughs> in their hair. Like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it was crazy. But it didn't stop me from, from riding the rides. <laughs> All put up with the shingles for a good water slide. So, yeah. You're single it's, and ready to shingle. Yeah. Oh it was, god! It was crazy. But, oh, what a nightmare! I, I'm a, I'm such a people watcher, though. Like I kind of thrive in those environments. Uh, it's so it's like it's super callous. It's gross. It's like not a not a healthy way to operate. But it's still right. so much fun. It is. It's fun. <laughs> and other people are sort of like, are you, why do you go to those places? You know, everybody pees in the pool and blah blah blah. You know? <laughs> well, if you don't think I'm not doing that, <laughs> you don't know me very well. So. I figured there's plenty of chlorine, so we're all going to be fine. <laughs> but that's what the whole Lazy River's about. You don't have to wait in line to go to a restaurant. <laughs> so It says that right on It the says outside. it right there. Just feel free. Go ahead. Hey, how maybe, is this surprising to anybody? Maybe don't poo, but pee, <laughs> go for it. Oh, God. Just, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's as good as a good as any time to end the show. All right, Michael Fair Hitchcock, enough. thank you so much oh, for you're stopping welcome. by. This thank you for great. having me. Absolutely. Two Story Building is hosted and produced by David Montgomery. If you like the show, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a positive review in the iTunes Store. It really helps us charting. If you have any questions about the show please email twostorybuilding at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.